And hello there, all you Stay Tuners. Welcome back to another episode of Stay Tuned Sports, episode number 29. Last episode before good old St. Nick comes down the chimneys for all the little good girls and boys and husbands and wives. Got somewhat of a slow week this week until... Well, started off kind of interesting if you're a Philadelphia sports fan. Um, then kind of got a little, little slow, and then today we had some news. Today we had some news about Josh Gordon being suspended once again. We'll, we'll get into that shortly. But as far as a Philadelphia fan, and I've brought it up many times the, the past few episodes or a few episodes ago about Dave Haxtall finally being fired by the Flyers. And who's his replacement? Did we finally get Joe Quinville? Who's the the new goalie in net? All that we're gonna we're gonna touch on. But before we get into any of that, you can follow me over on Twitter at Jimbo St Sports, and you can follow the show also at St Sports Podcast. Head over there. I usually try to put out um a little question. Every Thursday to see if there's any topics I may have missed during the week that you guys want, us, want me to talk about. Um, I usually put on there what we're going to talk about. And just like earlier today, I put on there about Josh Corden being suspended once again. Uh, news broke earlier today. Uh, today's Thursday, uh, the 20th. So you guys might not hear this till tomorrow. But uh, it came out, Josh Gordon violated his terms uh, with the commissioner for his uh, reinstatement for drug use. Um, This is about the fourth, maybe fifth time that he's messed up, if you want to say that. And then, you know, he wants to come out and say that uh, he's going to step away to get his mental health right and take care of that stuff but I'm pretty sure he said that the past two three times also um, I don't know I mean I know people that have mental um, illnesses and for I, I just don't kind of believe him I think this is more of an excuse to try to save face but his career is over um According to the collective bargaining agreement, uh, he's looking at at banishment because of all the um, prior suspensions. He still could uh, apply for reinstatement, but listen, if Greg Hardy can't get it back in, um, I think it was Justin Blackman from uh, the Jaguars. He's been trying to apply for reinstatement for years now. Once you're banished, you're, you're pretty much done. And let's face it, uh, Josh Gordon is very talented, but he's—he I mean, has to be close to to 30 now. 
he's going to be, let's say they uh, they lowered the, the, the suspension from banishment to even for just a year, a season. By the time he could come back, he's looking at, he's like 31, maybe even 32. So you're going to take a chance on a guy that's always getting into to trouble with, you know, with drugs. Um, I don't think I don't think he had any suspensions due to domestic violence or anything like that. But even coming out of college, everybody said, you know, this this kid can't stay off the, the the weed or whatever drug of his choice was or is. And you know, the Patriots took a chance to to trade for him. Only, only gave up a I think it was like a seventh round draft pick. Um. But now here it is, uh, what, 15 weeks into the season, his career's done. Um, one of the statements that uh, the league released was effective today. Josh Gordon has been returned to the reserve commissioner's suspended list indefinitely for violating the terms of his conditional reinstatement under the policy and program for substance of, of abuse. So he, he's pretty much going to be sitting there now. Like I said, it's a shame. You know, last week, or, I'm sorry, two weeks ago, we had the Kareem Hunt thing. This past week, there was another video that came out with a Washington Redskins uh, player being in a, an assault um, altercation. He, uh, I saw the Redskins put him on the, the reserve list. I just don't understand how some of these teams can't you know put put mentors with these kids with these guys these young guys and help them get uh, used to being in the NFL and, and getting into the, the NFL spotlight and I know a few years back the NFL uh, implemented like a uh, the, the rookie synopsis and have you know Jerry Rice uh, I know Chris Carter talked a few years ago I mean he's the he's the he's the the greatest example out there that you could turn around and have a great career. I mean, all he did with the the Eagles for anyone out there that doesn't know, he actually he started his career with the Philadelphia Eagles, and Buddy Ryan was the coach, but Chris Carter couldn't stay off the weed. It was all about you know the immaturity. He was being very immature with with some of the decisions, so we released him knowing the, the talent he has. And Minnesota picked him up, and he turned his, his life around, turned his career around, and went on to have a, a Hall of Fame career. If the NFL and the NFL teams could find veteran, veteran players or even retired players like Chris Carter to come in and t- sit down some of these players or the, the whole team and, and talk to them, and hired him to kind of be like a sponsor in a way. I mean, Philadelphia, Brian Dawkins, if anyone saw his uh, Hall of Fame speech, he had some demons, and he's a great motivational speaker now. I know some of the Philadelphia Eagle players still keep in touch with them, um, just from following them on Twitter and seeing some of the interactions between... Dawkins and those players. That's what some of these teams need to to, uh, to needed to do. 
is help these young guys get used to the spotlight because I'm sorry it's it's a huge spotlight it's the biggest spotlight out there it's bigger than baseball bigger than NBA bigger than uh, hockey any sport out there probably bigger, bigger than the Olympics and you're asking a lot from young players coming from the college leagues especially players that like say South Dakota uh, State, um, Boise State. You have players from Boise State going to New York and Philly where, I mean, I'll admit we're very tough fans, but when you stay out of trouble and put the work in, we have your back. But for some of these young guys, it takes a while for them to get used to that, that limelight. And unfortunately, for Josh Gordon, he just could never get out of his way. And unfortunately, there was no, no one really ever there to help guide him towards the right way. So hopefully, hopefully yeah, this will be the last bad story for the NFL um, as far as players messing up. But there's always going to be a bad player out there like this. Moving on to still some NFL news. Some uh, Philadelphia Eagles news. I think I talked about a little bit last week about the... Nick Foles, Carson Wentz um, situation. Now I keep seeing all this past week after the Eagles beat the, the Rams in one hell of a game. It really was a, a good game. I had work early the next day. I normally work 7-3 uh, to three, and I was supposed to go in at 5 Monday morning and I figured, well, okay, I'll, you know, Wentz is out. The way Nick Foles played the first two games. <coughs> Excuse me. The way Foles played the first two games, I thought for sure we would have got blown out. Yeah, the Rams had a, a bad game against the Bears. That was the other reason why I thought we would get blown out. I thought they would come out, you know, pissed off and, and ready to go. And first quarter... You know, Todd Gurley, he, he was putting some yards up on us. Um, which, again, they put the stats up. This past week was the 13th cornerback to start for us on defense. Um, no, no Jordan Hicks, so we were hurt at linebacker. Tim Jernigan, listen, I, I loved him last year. He was a very physical uh, D-tackle. We gave him the five-year extension, and all of a sudden, oh, my back hurts. Oh, I'm out. And, you know, I mean, he may be legit hurt, but it hasn't done anything all year for us because he's been hurt all year. So I thought for sure by the end of the first quarter, the game would be over. I thought it would be like 20 to, to 3. But at the end of the first, it was a close game. It was, uh, you know, like 6-3 or 9-3. I know it was within a, within a touchdown. 
And then the second period came, or second uh, quarter came, our defense started clamping down, and Nick Foles was, he was making those plays like he was making last year. I know Collinsworth had a, a man crush on him this past Sunday for him, but he, he, he was right. He felt like he was doing the, the same things he was doing on the Super Bowl run. Halftime came. I think we were down by down by three or up by three. Still close game. As far as me being on the East Coast, it was uh, about 10, 10.30. I usually get up about three to go to work for five. Next thing you know, we're up by 17 going into the fourth quarter. And it's 11 o'clock at night. So by that point, I figured, well, I might, as, I might as well watch the rest of the game. Rams came back. And I think what happened was Schwartz switched up his defense. Uh, whatever defense he was doing the first or second and third period, stopped doing for some reason. But came down, and I think also where McAvey um, screwed up was he took a timeout in the fourth quarter. I think it was like five minutes left, four or five minutes left, to uh, conserve a little bit of time and. All the time that he was going to conserve was about five seconds. Now, Rams go down, score a touchdown, uh, cut the lead down to 10. Philly, you know, got a couple plays done, but they had to punt. St. Louis gets the ball back, uh, drive down, they got the field goal. That's what it was. Um, Got the field goal, kicked it off to the Eagles. Eagles three and out, but during that three and out, that's when St. Louis's coach or LA's coach took the timeout, got the ball back, drove down, and also a, a mistake by Todd Gurley. There was a play that he caught the ball on that last drive that he should have ran out of bounds to stop the clock, but he stayed in. They were at the 30 or 40 yard line. Obviously needing a touchdown. Four seconds left with no timeouts. Eight, or I'm sorry, eight seconds left with no timeouts. And threw the ball downfield and clock it, you know, ran out. If he would have saved that timeout, they would have got one more play, uh, one more chance to, to get to the end zone. So the season is still saved. Well, going on because of Nick Foles. And their playoff chances went from 13% to, I think I saw, like 35% or, or something like that. So I saw that and I was like, oh, okay. So let's see what you know has to, has to happen for the Eagles to make the, the playoffs. I mean, pretty much the, the top four seeds are figured out. Fifth and sixth seed right now is Seattle and Minnesota, which... That tie is, is what's uh, really screwing things up right now. We have more wins than Minnesota, but they have less losses because of that tie. Seattle, I believe, is a game up on us. I think they're 8-6. and six. We're 7-7. Seven and seven. Minnesota, 
is uh, six. Six, six, five, and one, I think it is. Something like that. So basically, we can make the playoffs as a wild card. And with how the NFC East is every year, we still technically, mathematically, have a chance at the division. For us to win the division, basically, we would have to win out, Dallas would have to lose out. We have Houston this week, which it's a tough game. You know, Houston is a tough team this year. Their defense is phenomenal. Uh, Deshaun Watson playing, you know, awesome again. DeAndre Hopkins, he's he's a very good receiver, probably top five, maybe even top three in the league. Then after that, we have the, the Redskins, which... Let's say we do beat the Texans. I, I would still be a little worried about the Redskins because one, they want to play spoilers, and two, we may look past them because it's Josh Johnson as the quarterback. When it comes to quarterbacks like that, you just don't know what team's going to show up or how the outcome is going to happen because you may be overlooking them. Uh, Nick Foles is starting this week already. Uh, Doug Peterson announced. So that's how we could win the, the division. I'm not sure who Dallas is playing in the next two games, but basically we would have to win out. They would have to lose out. The scenarios for us to make as a wildcard team, no matter what, through these outcomes, the Eagles have to win out. First outcome uh, that I saw is the, the Vikings. All they have to do is lose one game. <coughs> now, this scenario is kind of interesting. They play the Lions this week, which the Lions aren't that great this year, and they play the Bears the last week of the season. Again. Lions playing to be spoilers. Vikings, they fired their offense coordinator prior to this past week's game. And before, with the old coordinator, the Vikings were very up and down. Kirk Cousins, very up and down. But this past week with the new coordinator, they're running the ball more. Dalvin Cook had a breakout game. Kirk Cousins was pretty good. And they, they ended up winning. Now, was that one game fluke, or are they re-inspired? Only time will tell. Let's say they get past the Lions. Then they go on to play the Bears. Now, obviously, the Bears' defense is playing lights out. Uh, with Khalil Mack um, having more sacks than the Raiders' team combined, which that's that's just freaking hilarious. Good job, John Gruden and Raiders, especially going out and signing uh, Nathan Peterman to be uh, Derek Carr's replacement next year. Uh, but the thing is, do do the Bears rest their uh, their players? You know, especially Khalil Mack, who's making sacks by just laying down on people. Now, 
I don't think they will. Um, just for the fact that right now you have the Saints, the Rams, Bears, and Cowboys as the top four seeds. Saints are 12 and two. Rams are 11 and three. Bears are 10 and four. Cowboys are eight and six. Cowboys are not going to get the one uh, number one seed. There's, I mean, it's, I, I think it's maybe it's possible, but very unlikely. When it comes to the Bears, they're one game behind the Rams and they hold the tiebreaker. They're two games behind the Saints. So if that last week comes down to being either tied or one game behind um, the Rams, they would hold a tiebreaker. They would probably be playing all out, so they'd be playing their starters, which would make it a very good game, very interesting game. If that were to happen, that they're playing all their starters, you got to go with the Bears. The Vikings lose. If the Eagles win against the Redskins and the Texans, they would sneak in. And then, like the old saying, once you're in the playoffs, anything could happen. Now, the other um, scenario is we would need Seattle to lose both games and us win out. Seattle isn't the team of the Legion of Boom anymore, but they've been playing consistent football, so I don't think that scenario is going to pan out. I can't see uh, Seattle losing both games there. And like I said, uh, to win the, the division, Dallas has to lose two, and we have to win out. Then there's there's other scenarios, but they're like basically, you know, Eagles got to win out. This team's got to win on a Sunday with a three-yard pass on the four-yard line. You know, it just just really weird. Do I think the Eagles going to make it? I don't think so. I really don't. Um, I don't think we're going to see Carson Wentz anymore uh, this year. Um, if the Eagles were smart, just you know, put him on IR, fill the position with a, with another player, and then go into next year and see if he can last a full year because he has yet to do it. I saw um, a rumor that he's still supposedly projected to make thirty million a year when his uh, rookie contract is up. I like Wentz. I think he's he's um, shown he's not a bust, not going to be bad in the league, but so many injuries so early in his career, I don't know if he's worth $30 million a year. I'd give him maybe 20 push him 25 and then load it up with incentives as far as um, showing he can stay healthy. But uh, it would be nice and, you know, it'd be kind of funny and cool if Nick Foles pulls it off again that goes on like another Super Bowl run. Tell you what, if, if he does pull that off and wins the Super Bowl, and even if he doesn't win the Super Bowl MVP, just retire. I mean, what's the chance of that happening all over again? Almost to a T, to the, the same week, to the same team that you started back, start the, the, the playoff run. You know, one run that uh, is over in the same city of Philadelphia, and I've been touching on it for a few weeks now, and finally I got my 
my early Christmas uh, present early. Dave Hackstall, finally fired by the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, they played, I think it was Saturday night. Terrible game, just, just disgusting. And the rumor started right then and there that as soon as he, because they, uh, they were on the road. And uh, rumor started that, you know, as soon as they land, or he, he's going to be fired. They're going to bring Joe Quinville in. All day, uh, next day, I was watching. I was on Twitter. I was waiting for. I was waiting for it, waiting for it, and nothing. And I was like, "Oh boy, I hope it's not like a typical Philadelphia where well, the surprise is we're gonna give them an extension." <coughs> well, finally, on Monday, he was announced that he was uh, relieved of his duties after four years. Basically, I mean, he, he was an average coach. Um, made the playoffs, I believe, two of the four years. Both first-round exits. This year, even towards the end of last year, after that, uh, what was it, 10-game win streak that we had, once everything started hit, hitting the ceiling, it just seemed like the players just weren't buying into what he's trying to, uh, to implement. And... Even this year, I mean, we gave up a lot of uh, a lot of leads going into the third period. You know, three-one, four-one, and, and a losing. You, you can't now. I know a lot of that is. I know all of it isn't on Hackstall. Our goaltenders were absolutely atrocious this year, and that's been our our problem for a couple decades now since Ron Hextall played for the Flyers. But I'll tell you what, this last Saturday, not to get off, I'm not really getting off subject because I'm talking about the Flyers. Last Saturday, the, the Lehigh Phantoms, Valley Phantoms, uh, who is the AAA affiliate for the Flyers, played the, the Baby Pens. And I got to see Carter Hart play against the Baby Pens. And let me tell you, even if you're not a Flyers fan, watch one game of him play. My God, some of the, the saves he was doing even had the baby pen players saying, like, oh my God, like, what do I got to do to get this in? Well, Monday, not only did we fire a hackstall, we called up Scott Gordon, who was the head coach of the Phantoms, to be our interim head coach, so no Joel Quinville yet. And we called up Carter Hart. Now, when I saw that, I got a little worried. I was hoping that we kept him down there for one full season. And then, you know, next year, give him the, the final shot. I ended up getting to watch the, the Flyers game Tuesday night. Carter Hart started. He got his first NHL debut. Coach Gordon, it was his Flyers NHL debut because he... I already had um, NHL experience. He was the New York, New York Islanders head coach from 2008 to 2010, way before I started getting into hockey. So wasn't too sure of uh, how good of a coach he was as a uh, Islander. But I did see, as far as a Phantoms, and I know AAA is a lot easier than NHL. 
He had a winning record. He was like a he was a hundred and forty four and you know such and such a losses. Uh, probably about fifty games above five hundred. Uh, had the the Phantoms in the playoffs every year. This that the other thing. So I was like, okay. And then also uh, our GM came out and said that he hasn't talked to Quinville yet and probably won't talk to him till after the season. So it pretty much sounds like Gordon's going to be the, the coach for the rest of the year. Um, the other positive thing that you have with, with Gordon is he has some experience with uh, half the players, basically. Uh, he coached Hart. He coached uh, Scott Lawton. Uh, Lindbaum. Uh, I know we just brought Phil Verone back up. You know, so he, he has some experience, so he knows their tendencies, which is going to help. And then when you got Drew and Kutz, uh, Couturier, uh, Konechny, all very good players, he'll know what to do with them. But I ended up tuning in to watch the, the game to see how Hart does, and I want to see how the fans react once he gave up one goal because let's be honest what's the chances of a rookie goaltender having a shutout in his NHL debut I, mean, I don't even think it ever happened I mean if it did it had to be like a once in a lifetime type deal I tuned it in it was one nothing uh, late in the first period I was watching him and I'll tell you what, he, he, he looked he looked calm back there. He didn't look like he let the lights get to him or let the fans. And um, every time he made a save, the fans were cheering. And it just, you could you feel the energy back in that arena. It, w- it was nice to see. And we ended up winning uh, 3-2, 4-2. Um, and... You know, when, when he did give up those two goals, the crowd didn't get on him, didn't boo him or anything. Ooh, excuse me. Very gassy today. So, it was his first NHL win. It was Gordon's first Flyers win. And it was it was, um, it was encouraging to, to see. You know, maybe, just maybe, I know it's one game, Maybe we finally have our goaltender. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I think that's going to be it for this week. Um, Before we go, I just want to wish everybody listening a happy and merry Christmas. Please be safe out there. Um, You can follow me on Twitter at JimboSTSports. Follow the show at STSportsPodcast. And even go over to our friend... King at King of Skunk Duck. He has a couple new uh, t-shirts out there he just posted this past week. Give them a look and see what you think. But uh, this is your good friend Jimbo. I will see you next week. Signing out.